Welcome to Fireside with VoxGig, a podcast for professional and aspiring public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of VoxGig.com, an online community for speakers and event professionals. We're here to help you get the most out of speaking, organizing, exhibiting, and attending. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. And finally, before we begin, a quick shout out and thank you to simplecast.com, first and last word in podcasts, who have kindly come on board as our first ever sponsor. We have a super high energy guest for you today. Rabbi Freddy is amazing. Uh, he has practiced the art of the one close call. And we talk about how to apply that same mentality to your public speaking. So here we go. This one is a real treat. Rabbi Freddy, welcome. It's great to have you on the Fireside Boxing podcast. It's really great to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. And I look forward to joining the rest of your exclusive band of um, interviewees. Awesome. So I'm going to start with a question which is just for you specifically. I've started a lot of companies and worked with a lot of co-founders. And one co-founder in particular was this really awesome guy who was the best salesperson I have ever worked with. I mean, he could just go into a room and he would just know who to speak to that he could sell to. And he would connect with people instantly. But as soon as he got up on stage, he just froze. It was like a different person, right? So this guy, was he could just connect with people instantly in person, one-to-one, but he couldn't handle the stage thing. I always found it really confusing how this amazing person could suddenly turn into a statue. It is quite amazing. And uh, you would think it would not be a problem, but we're not talking apples to apples. It is a different animal, as they say. Uh, I believe the greatest fear out there is the fear of public speaking. In fact, it's supposed to be greater than the fear of death. I don't know why it is, but it is so. When people are great communicators one-on-one, they get up on stage and rather than speaking to one person, they see themselves speaking to many people, tens, hundreds, perhaps even thousands, and that freaks them out. It's very similar to, I've trained many salespeople who are in the high-tech field and they have to work one-on-one virtual. They don't even have to meet the person. They they work with them virtually and um, they get on the phone and they freeze. And these are the same people who can walk into a bar anywhere in the world and uh, pick up any person they want. I mean, I'm exaggerating a bit. In other words, they yeah, have no guys problem. Like that, right? <laughs> exactly. But yet they get on the phone and they freeze because bottom line is Richard, that what we're talking about is communication. Everybody knows how to talk. Everybody knows how to have a conversation like you and I are having. But what happens is whether people are in sales or in speaking, all of a sudden they forget that they're just having a conversation. When I get up and I speak to a thousand people in an audience, it's no difference than if it was 50 people or 50,000 or even one-on-one. I'm just having a conversation. 
And the book I one of the books I wrote called The Art of the One Claw Close is just that teaching people to be comfortable with themselves, to be able to walk into a, a place of business, to get on the phone or to be in front of people and just have a conversation. So, again, I just want to reiterate. OK, yeah. The challenge is not how to speak in public. It's how not to be afraid to speak in public. This is interesting, right? Because a lot of the people that we talked on this podcast, there is tons of useful guidance around preparing and how you do your slides and, you know, vocal training, all that sort of stuff. But correct me if I'm wrong, your message is kind of there's a deeper level, there's a deeper mindset or skill, which is as useful one-on-one in a sales situation or or just when you're trying to connect uh, with somebody as it is on stage. I personally, when I speak, I use very little props. I tend not to use PowerPoints or slides unless there's something specific. Most people use them because they're afraid to be alone with the audience. But if you can connect to the audience and the only only way to connect with anybody, again, whether it's an audience of 100 or one person, is by having a conversation. There's a acronym that I use a lot. It's called W.I.I.F.M. And that stands for what's in it for me. It's my personal belief that God instilled in each and every one of us a W.I.I.F.M. gene. Okay. Everybody, <laughs> I like it. Every, every, everybody, uh, from the uh, moment they get up in the morning till the moment they go to sleep at night, subconsciously or consciously, are always thinking, "What's in it for me?" I am here for one reason only. What's in it for me? You are interviewing me because you're thinking, "What's in it for you?" Our audience out there, anybody who's listening to this podcast, it's what's in it for them. Now, when you speak to an audience, that's all these people. And remember, these people are individuals. You're not speaking to a group. You're speaking to individuals. It could be 10,000 individuals, but that's what it is. And you want to come across to those individuals. What is great about speaking to a group rather than just one individual is there's a synergy. So if you can just get a few people uh, propped up and excited, they will get the rest of the room excited. Yeah, we, exactly. I've seen that. But when, you, when you're one-on-one, it's all about that one person. Can you <laughs> get him or her? You know, excited. It's hard to work, actually. One-on-one is, is it's more work. It's much easier speaking in front of an audience if you can relax than it is to do a one-on-one sale. That is so true. So uh, let's talk about this one close call idea because I think there's an underlying set of ideas that are useful in, in so many different places. So just to give you my perspective, I started out as a software engineer, hiding away behind screens for 10 years then started my own business and had to learn how to sell. And, you know, once I got into it, selling is awesome. It's really fun. Maybe, I don't know if I'm the world's best salesperson, but I, I really enjoy it now. There's a challenge to it. And there's, it's really interesting connecting with loads of different people, success or failure. But I don't do one call closes, I got to say. So I'm interested, <laughs> I'm interested in, in, in this idea. How and why? Well, the concept of one call close is very simple. It's my belief that people, they make a decision on the spot. 
we have this knee-jerk reaction that we have to think about things, but we know generally whether we want something or not. And we, uh, we out there, people, we tend to waste a lot of time, time being the only shared commodity we really have. We, you know, we only have 24 hours in a day. We don't even uh -huh. know how many days we have on this earth. So why do we waste time by doing second and third calls? I'm not saying this is an absolute. There are times when you cannot close a deal in one close, but they're rare. And one of the things I say, even even if you can't close in one call, I can guarantee you that I can show you a way to cut your closing cycle at least in half. The, the point is that when I try and sell you something, first of all, I don't want to sell you anything that you don't want. So you yeah. may not want it when I walk in, though. My job, though, is to educate you, to share with you why this is a good idea. That's the real value, the, right? That's, that's the real value. But Again, you know, I, most times when you go someplace and you're looking, you're window shopping and the salesperson comes up to you and says, would you like it? You've already made the decision I would like it. Now, you may be thinking in the back of your mind, can I afford it? Or what will my spouse say? And all sorts of other things. But you've in your gut, you know, yeah, I, I, I like this red Ferrari. For our, I want it, but you're not going to say I want it because you don't have the money and you're scared of the bill. So what do you tell the salesperson? You say, I want to think about it. You don't want to <laughs> think about it. You want it. You just don't have the money. Yeah. So I teach people how to get their perspective, their prospect to be honest with them and say, yeah, I really would love the red Ferrari, but I don't have a half a million dollars for a car. So then now the um, salesperson knows, hey, he does want it. If I can help him get, the, you know, figure out a way to finance it, then maybe I have a sale here. But if he really didn't want it, he really had, even if you gave it to him for $500, he wouldn't take it. Then why are you uh, even talking to him? Say, thank you for your time and you move on. Sure. So yeah. that that is that is the concept behind the one call close. People have already made a decision. People know what they want if they have all the information in front of them. But people are afraid to give answers, especially in Western culture. In fact, do you realize, Richard, that it's harder for people to say no than it is for them to say yes? They're so afraid of hurting your feelings. So they, even though they know they don't want it, they'll waste everybody's time by saying, let me think about it. And, and I don't like those let me call, think about yeah. it. And taking calls and, and, and yeah. <laughs> now that you say it, I, I can recognize this. I can, yeah, I can recognize this in my own sales process, right? You have a prospect and, the, you know, you go on calls and there's like five people. And you think, awesome. They must be really interested in what I'm selling. And then you have to do another demo and another and, it, you know, three months later, there's still no contract. Wow. Exactly. And, and the, you, you brought up another point, Richard, that part of my process is to be an effective one-call closer, you also have to know how to do your preparatory work, your prep work. And um, many people waste their time on what I call suspects, not prospects. They're not qualified <laughs> like buyers. It. Yeah. So if the person um, you're in front of or you're talking to, no matter how, he, how much he or she may like it, if they can sign the check, 
check, literally or figuratively, then you're just wasting your time. So that's part of the process as well. And if there are partners involved or if there's a board or something, how do we get all those people together in one shot and get the deal done? And again, it may take you a second call, but for you to spend six months trying to close anything is not worth your time. Yeah, it's one of those painful business lessons that you really got to learn and keep learning. I love that idea, by the way, and it applies all over the place. Uh, like it applies to startup funding when you're pitching VCs as well, right? Because VCs never say no. Exactly. It's the same thing. VCs are a great example because a VC, when you're pitching them, what are they sitting there thinking? What's in it for me? Hoping. How, you know, you have to excite them. I, I have people who come to me. I, I, I just the other day, I went to this conference and these uh, two young entrepreneurs from Australia came up to me and they said to me, can we speak to you for a few minutes? And they, and they said that they're looking for funding. And I said, okay, I know nothing about high tech. Just give me a little bit of a, of a one minute pitch, what your thing is about. And the first thing I said to them, this is the most boring thing I ever heard. And they looked at me shocked. And I said, <laughs> yeah. the point is that you may have the best thing since sliced bread, but if you can't create a sizzle for it, nobody's going to buy the steak. Yeah. And they were shocked because nobody told them that. They thought all they got to do is create the best steak out there. And um, that would be enough. And it is important because at the end of the day, you have to have a good steak. But without the sizzle, it's not going to sell. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is so true. And you know what? You did those guys a favor, right? Because nine out of 10 investors, whatever, would, it just wouldn't be straight, right? Because they want optionality, right? They want the option down the road. You know, maybe these guys are the next Mark Zuckerberg. I, I don't want to upset them. They wouldn't tell them that. They wouldn't be that blunt, right? So let's come back to public speaking. So okay. let's take these ideas and how do they help us on stage? How do they, how do they help someone who is maybe starting out and they know they need to move their career forward. So they, they need to get on stage. Okay. So first of all, if anybody wants to start breaking into public speaking and has really no experience, I strongly suggest, suggest an international organization called Toastmasters. Okay. Toastmasters is all over the world and it gives people uh, an opportunity to practice uh, public speaking. So that would be the first thing I would recommend to people. The second thing is get into, start learning how to relax, relax within yourself. And when you go on stage, look at one person. When you get on stage, I don't care how big the room is, focus on one person and have a conversation with that one person. It'll be a little bit weird in the beginning. And yes, you may look, you know, you may feel a little bit weird. The audience may feel a little weird. But after a few times of, of being able to speak to that one person on the stage, you'll slowly start breaking out to two people, three people, and slowly you will learn how to speak in front of whatever amount of people you're speaking to. But when people go out on stage and they walk out and they see lots of people, it's like a deer uh, running into those headlights. Yeah. They just freeze. So try and make, bring it down to the, the, the lowest common denominator, which is one person. If I'm understanding you right, you're basically trying to sell your talk to one person. And just kind of following on from this idea, 
If you're not connecting with that one person, do you move to another one? Yes. Yeah, okay. So you find somebody you connect with. That's right. You pick somebody because you feel some reason to, uh, everybody has their own individuality, why they pick that one person. If that person is not giving you a good chemistry, then just focus on another person until you find the person you feel comfortable with. And again, this is something that you have to practice with. You have to keep practicing until you can do that. But Richard, you said something spot on just a moment ago. You're selling because I don't care if you think you're not selling. Everybody is selling when they get up and they speak in public. They're selling an idea. They're selling their the reputation of themselves or their company. They're, they're, they're giving a, uh, a talk. They're selling their thesis. Whatever it is, they are selling. And again, you are selling to individuals. Even though the, group, the room may hold 10,000 people, they're 10,000 individuals. So find that one person you can sell your idea to, and then eventually you'll start being able to sell it to tens and hundreds of people. Yeah, that is so true. You know, the, the best talks that I've given, the size of the audience really doesn't matter because it's like the three or four people that come up to you afterwards that you then have a personal conversation and you connect with that turn into sales down the road. Uh, and it didn't matter that there was like 500 people. Exactly. At the end of the day, that whole talk, it, it just mattered that four people came and spoke to you afterwards. Exactly. I get the biggest highs in my life when I will run into somebody somewhere, uh, perhaps even at an airport a year later, and they come to me and they say, you don't remember me, but, and they tell me how something I said really affected them or changed their life. Uh, to me, that's, that, that's worth more than gold. And uh, you're not going to affect everybody in your audience. Some people are just not going to be with it that day. They just, they're just not. But that's okay. You're looking for those few individuals. Again, whether you're experienced at speaking in public or non-experienced, it doesn't matter. I'm, I, even for the people who've been doing this a long time, my, my biggest advice is focus on the individuals. And all of this is coming from your life's experiences selling. And did you start selling door to door in the traditional way? Yes. So, so take us back to how Freddie Freundlich ended up as Rabbi Freddie, because I, I think that's fascinating. <laughs> okay. So uh, first of all, if anybody would, would like to read a really interesting book, which would give them some background, I have a book uh, which is on Amazon called Born on the Right Side of the Tracks. It's a true story about an out-of-the-box kid stuck in an in-the-box world. So I've always been a lot out of the box. And because of that, I now have a company which teaches out of the box speaking, out of the box communications. But as a young child, I found myself selling things. And uh, as the years went by, I got involved in different things, but always found myself coming back to the world of selling. And I guess that's because what I didn't realize at the time was selling is about communication. And I love talking to people and I love helping people. And that's what true sales is about. Unfortunately, most people think of salesmen when they think of a salesman, they think of a used car salesman, insurance salesman, somebody trying to sell them something they don't want. But yeah. in, in truth, a salesman is the 
best trade out there in the world because without a salesman, you and I wouldn't be talking now on the equipment we're talking about, uh, we're talking from. Some salesmen had to sell the equipment to us, to the factory that made it, et cetera, et cetera. So at any rate, I actually have a degree in nursing. I am a registered nurse, yes, (laughs) which I haven't worked for in decades, but I have a That's degree awesome. in nursing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was the U.S. Army. I, uh, I have rabbinical ordination. I have a lot of things. But the bottom line is I always had a love for uh, communicating. And I always found myself in sales. And regardless what I did, and I've been involved. I've been a CEO of a company. I've, I've done a number of things. I've always felt myself as a salesman. And to this day... Even though I am not going door-to-door sales, this is what I do. I Again, I'm selling myself rather than a particular product. I'm selling my own service. But to me, sales is the name of the game. In fact, sometimes I speak to uh, teachers. I'm called into schools to uh, give teachers workshops. And people always say, why would I, as supposedly a sales coach or a sales trainer... He's speaking to teachers because what the heck do you think teachers are doing to be successful? They have to sell to their students. And that's a tough Again, job. That is a it's tough a tough job. job. The students are sitting there and they're bored as hell and they're saying, what's in it for me? And most teachers are terrible. There are some very good teachers and they're improving all the time, but most teachers are terrible and that affects the whole entire world. So if we can teach, in fact, we, we, we've been talking about public speaking. Can you imagine if in elementary school there was classes on public speaking, how different the world would be? Yeah. If people had the courage and the, and the confidence to speak in public, even if they didn't do it as a living, it would change the entire world. So it is an amazing thing, uh, public speaking and sales. And I put them together, even though, as you said in the very beginning, Richard, it, it, you, you're always stumped by those people who are very good at one, but terrible at the other. But they really do go together. Yeah. It feels from this conversation like it's partly a, a kind of a mindset thing and just realizing that it is just another form of conversation. And then it's also about some specific tactics, like this thing of you focus on an individual person and you kind of, and it's like one close sale. If it's not working, if you're not connecting, move to the next one, which I really like. That's super practical. Right. And I will just add this to it. All the practicalities we can be taught. I can teach people and, and that's part of what I do. I teach people how to, you know, the little nuances, how to close, how to get on stage, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to accept in your heart and soul that what you're doing is having a conversation. It's very simple. The, uh, the challenge is most people make this much more complicated than it is. It's nothing more than having a conversation. If you, I'm speaking now to the audience, if you have ever had a conversation with anybody and you felt it went well, you have the potential to be at least a decent a public speaker. Maybe you won't be the best in the world, but at least a decent public speaker. There's hope for all of us, which I love. <laughs> it's definitely, and it's only up, to, it, it's, it's up to us. There is no reason why anybody out there in this audience can't learn 
to be a public speaker and be comfortable with it. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, once you get the hang of it, it can make a huge difference in your life. Just speaking personally, that's been my experience, but I've seen it in others as well. And yet so many, like you say, <laughs> death seems a better option. You're right. It's, it's very scary. It's very, very scary. But once you overcome this fear, and it's not that difficult, it's not that difficult with a few minor adjustments. You don't have to change your entire life. You have to make some small minor adjustments one step at a time, but your life will change and not just your business life. The confidence that good public speakers have affect everything they do in their lives. And we, we can point to many, many powerful public speakers in all different walks of life, and they're truly successful, again, other than business. It's an amazing thing. And uh, that's why I encourage anybody to uh, check out uh, Toastmasters, uh, courses uh, like from Dale Carnegie, any place where they can go and, 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 and take a course and learn a little bit about public speaking, it'll change their lives literally overnight. That is awesome. And that is a good place to finish up. Public speaking, it's just one of those skills that it has outsized returns for the amount of effort that you put into it. Rabbi Freddy, thank you so much. This has been okay. really, really awesome. Uh, and I would encourage anyone to go out and check out your books as well. The One Called Clothes, The Art of the One Called Clothes, and Born on the Right Side of the right. Tracks. It's The Art of the One Called Clothes, Born on the Right Side of the Tracks. And I'll just plug my website, oh, which yeah. is yeah, very simple. <laughs> it's www.rabbifreddy.com. That's F-R-E-D-D-Y. So it's rabbifreddy.com. And people are also free to reach out to me by email at freddy at rabbifreddy.com. Awesome. Selling like a pro. I love it. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and we wrap up another episode of the Fireside with Vox Gig podcast. You can find notes and links from this podcast at voxgig.com slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other, and one you can also learn. Visit voxgig.com slash speakers to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to our podcast. Please also leave a review that helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email me, richard at voxgig.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. And one final reminder to check out our sponsor, simplecast.com, who helped make this podcast possible. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward.